podcast world. This is John Pinto, your roving realtor, Bon Vivant video blogger, uh, podcaster, home chef. And I am here with Kara Joseph, certified sommelier and wine author. How are you today, Kara? John, hello. I am doing very well. Good to, good to be with you. That's right. Your book is uh, If Wine Could Talk. Absolutely. That is it. If Wine Could Talk. Very good. Well, if wine could talk, it would probably be speaking and channeling through Samaye Kara Joseph, I would think. I would hope so. I, that's, I have deemed myself the translator of wine. Even if it didn't want me, I'm doing it. I like that. I like that. So uh, I was uh, looking at the Amazon posting of your book, If Wine Could Talk, and uh, I was inspired by uh, the uh, notes regarding the author, the, the bio notes. Mm. And I noticed that the, the book was uh, inspired partially by your travels to famous vineyards around the globe. So I Absolutely. thought we would dedicate this episode to that. What do you think I of that? I would love to talk about that. I mean, Nothing like talking about a place and a time and the people that make wine so much more incredible. It's, it's okay, the international so, element. Let's do it. Right. Okay. So I will tell you that my very, Ellen and I have been to over 500 live concerts Ooh. since we met in December of 1969. All right. Okay. Starting with seeing Gato Barbieri at the Village Gate. And uh, now we see a lot of concerts at the Uptown and the uh, Blue mm -hmm. Note Napa, et cetera. So my very favorite concert oh. that I've ever seen was Flying the Family Stone at a free uh, concert in Central Park where they had 5,000 people standing oh on the folding chairs for two hours. Stop. Okay. Oh, my uh, gosh. All right. Now, I am not randomly throwing that out there. I right. am asking you, Kara. Mm. What was the equivalent of the uh, famous vineyard that you yeah. visited that was your slime family stone in Central Park? Oof. And see, mine, mine definitely, yours had a similar quality to it. You know, it was the surroundings. It was the, the time, the place. I think it's even more important than just the wine or just the caliber of the winemaker or whatnot. I would say I've been lucky enough to bring my parents into some of this wine world. So I would say my favorite tasting experience has to be when I was able to get my parents out into the wine tasting world. I, my mom's first trip to Europe was actually in France. And I'll never forget my mom and my dad were with me. And being a sommelier, working in kind of the New York wine scene, I was able to orchestrate a really special tasting and it was her first international tasting and I was able to be the one to kind of give that to her. So we did a beautiful, it was champagne. I mean, who doesn't love champagne? Who doesn't love tasting champagne? So it was a place called Lanson in obviously Champagne, France. And it was just, I was able to, you know, I had tasted with different winemakers and different amazing spots, but it was when I was able to kind of be the spectator and watch them talk with the winemaker and listen and taste and just be in this, these beautiful, what are called cayers, which are kind of these underground caves where they age champagne. It's just the whole experience was one of my favorite parts of 
my, my tastings abroad. It was being able to give that to them. And please spell the name of that uh, vineyard slash winemaker. Yeah. So this is going to be Lanson. It's L-A-N-S-O-N. And it's pretty highly accessible and actually not a horrible price point. Of course, champagne is going to give you a little bit of a higher price point, but beautiful champagne. And the gentleman that makes the wine is Irv. So H-E-R-V-E. Gilbert. Yeah. Very good. And were these uh, uh, sparkling wines or champagnes, I should say, since it mm-hmm. is uh, champagne, uh, were they from Chardonnay grapes, Pinot Noir grapes, a combination of both? Yeah. So we were in Rheims. So we were in kind of the, the mecca of the more Pinot Noir. But what Lanson does is they really do a good job of incorporating both of the grapes. So they have this pretty intentional, balanced, well-crafted combination of Pinot Noir and Chardonnay for their more approachable. So they do, you know, I would say their their vintage champagnes or their more house style are going to be combo Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Nicely okay. done. Okay, very, very good. And uh, did they have an old chateau that you uh, participated in? So it was, it, so with Champagne, it is definitely more of the regal chateau style. They did. Yeah, they had the, the classic, beautiful white washed, surrounded by the green vines, just elaborate, ornate uh, chateau for sure. It was pretty special. Yeah. Very good. Now, you know, I would be disappointed if we couldn't come up with at least one Italian vineyard. Uh, what was your oh, favorite right. uh, give, Italian I, experience? I give, I give the French all the credit right out the gate. But mm-hmm. I would say, once again, it's always part of the experience is how you get there and, and what's happening around. So I would say my favorite Italian wine tasting experience, and don't judge me on this, John, but I was able to go to Brunello de Mantecino. And this, there's a, uh, a beautiful, almost castle where they do tastings of wine. And I mm-hmm. was staying in Siena and I was in, in the square kind of journaling. And I, I'd had some train issues and I wasn't able to get there. So I was a little bit disappointed. But an English speaking manager of the cafe approached me and he was like, what are you doing? And I told him, and I said, oh, I really wanted to go to Brunello. They went to Chino, but I couldn't go. And he said, well, I'll drive you. I'll take you there. So don't. That, that's the way the Italians are. That is. So let I me, said, let me, okay. yeah, let me, let me explain something, okay? This yeah. is very important for you and our listeners to understand. Yeah. There is an expression in Italian. Uh, it's molto gentile. Mm-hmm. You are very kind. If yep. you if you tell an Italian that they are molto gentile, chances are they'll drive you from Cal- Calabria to Venice. <laughs> Probably they they uh, they're very, really quite from, accommodating from the from the toe to the to the ankle, right? Of, of that they food. they are very accommodating. I've got hundreds of cousins in uh, Caserta, uh, vicino uh, Napoli, uh, Torre del Greco. Uh, Sorrento yeah. and you know they are just the warmest people They're, they are the best so uh, yeah and so it was nothing nothing but enjoying and he was the wine director of this this restaurant I was at and mm-hmm. you know and we talked wine for a while and he said if you really want to go I'll take you so I remember driving through 
the the Tuscan Hills to get mm-hmm. to Brunello de Montalcino and then just getting to taste through and see this castle. And I would say Italy also, what was the Mont, Monto, Monto Gentile? Mo, molto Gentile. Mol, molto Gentile. I would say that, that would be the biggest part about Italy for me is I just always had these very uh, untraditional but very welcomed tasting experiences in Italy. The Italians are not formal. Um, no. Uh, you know, I even met, uh, you know, uh, Montanori uh, mm. in Monterey once. I mean, he's, his family's been making wine for seven centuries. Right. And I joked with him how he should thank goodness that the kitchen was full of Neapolitans. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm sure he was being polite, you know, when uh. I was when I was giving him a hard time about if you wanted roasted meat, it's okay to go to Tuscany. If you, but if you want real Italian <laughs> food, you should go to Naples. You got, you got to go a little further south. Uh, yeah, way, yeah. And, and he was very kind. He was uh, very uh, tolerant of my yeah. uh, north-south uh, uh, banter. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about that uh, Brunello di Montalcino uh, uh, facility that you went to. Yeah, I would say, I mean, basically the way it was set up is there were – a lot of these producers, I, they were small. I'd never even heard of them. I probably couldn't even tell you the names of the producers again. But you were literally sitting in this decade, century-old cavernous structure. You've got six Brunel de Montalcinos in front of you. I'm sitting across from someone that speaks English, and we can share our thoughts on the wine, and we can banter back and forth. He's kind of teaching me about the local qualities. So, I mean, that was just beyond for me was be able to be with a local and taste these wines in this place and know I'm in Italy and I'm probably about to go eat the best meal of my life after that. Yes. Uh, so you started with France, reasonable. I inserted in uh, Italy because I have to, uh, because of my Neapolitan blood. Yes. So uh, what would be the third most memorable vineyard slash country that pops into your head? It's got to be Spain. It's got to be Spain is, is the next one. So this, this whole journey for me that I'm sl- slightly alluding to was a time for me in between my time in Napa and then going to New York. So I saw it as this kind of individualistic odyssey to go taste at all these different regions I'd only ever read about. So one of them was Rioja that always just stuck in my mind that I needed to go visit. And looking back, I mean... My, my logistics, my travel plans were very, eh, not the best in terms of cars, planes, trains. But I remember I was in Priorat and I had connected with, with someone. So this was, I had been to Rioja, but then I wanted to go to the more uh, closer to Barcelona, the northeastern portion of Spain. There's an area called mm-hmm. Priorat, which is very famous for Garnacha and uh, these like more um like lots of more kind of warm climate grape varietals do well in prerot yeah well we really know in in the bay area i mean you know tempranillo that's always on the menu and it's always and it's always a friendly food wine so it gets ordered a lot in the bay area i find anyway exactly exactly but you know prerot has some really special wines so I went to a place, or I reached out to a place called uh, Clo Figuero. So it's, it's, it translates into fig. But I was picked up 
at the but at the train station by one of the the gentleman that works there and I was able to taste with the owner and you know we shared a lunch and it was all just so personal and so special and I would say that was probably one of my top experiences in Spain. And remind us of the appellation that you were in if you remember. This would be Priorat. Okay. How do you spell that? Uh P R I O R a T. Good. Was that question number thirty-seven in the psalm test? I was going to say you're real. You're you're getting me now. I got I got to go back to the books. No, luckily, <laughs> luckily, I'll never forget how to spell free rot. But that was well, the only question. Well, well, what I'm thinking is, you know, if I'm a listener to this podcast, I'm listening to Gara and I'm going. Yeah. I'm going to check. I'm going to check that out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. highly recommend the wines from there. It's it's just a really fun region to explore that you may have never been to before or even heard of. Okay, and let's uh, kind of conclude this uh, podcast with talking about uh, what is your next uh, traveling aspiration oh. on your next uh, appellation that you have in mind. Excellent question, John. That's something that's been very on the front of my mind recently. Mm -hmm. I would say it's got to be somewhere I've never been. I'm in this part of my life where I am unapologetically wanting to see and experience parts of the world I never have. I would say, I think South Africa has got a really good fighting chance of, of being next. Oh, uh, would uh, Anthony uh, be able to give you a tour? I was going to say, I know who I'm going to reach out to Anthony. If you're listening, I need all the recommendations of where to go, but yeah, that he's, he's a good one. And I, I think South Africa would be just a, a dream of a place to go experience for wine. Very good. Well, uh, let, uh, let's give you a chance to uh, let our listeners know about uh, your book and where Absolutely. to find it if wine could talk. And by the way, I love the little watercolor uh, script on the title oh, yeah. with uh, using the wine as a watercolor. That's uh, yep. quite, uh, quite well, and, nice. And you know what it is, John? It's, it's the, the rings that are left over after you've had a, hopefully a big night of wine you might find some, some rings on your coffee table, some leftover stains. And that was really part of it too. The book is called If Wine Could Talk. And it's life and especially a life of wine can be unpredictable. It can be unconventional. It can be beautiful. It can be messy. It can be all these things. And I, I thought the cover really exuded that sense of that's, that sense of how I view wine and how I view it in my life. Yeah, I love the like uh, I love the rustic expression. It, it was yeah. fantastic. And uh, where can our uh, listeners uh, find uh, your book? Yeah, so you will find If Wine Could Talk on Amazon. Easy to find there. Target.com has it and Barnes & Noble. So all these places you can pre-order that and you'll get it for yourself to read on September 21st is the official release date coming up less than a month. Good. And if they want to find you on social media, what's your social media handle? So anything with me, you're just going to want to remember Kara Talks to Wine. So if you're going to email me, feel free, Wine at gmail.com. Or you can do Instagram at Wine, YouTube, all the channels you could ever imagine. Kara Talks to Wine, you'll find, I'll pop right up. I like that. that, that that's a short easy, and sweet. Easy, easy, yep. Yep. Well, thank you so much for imparting your travels with us on this podcast. And I look forward to our next podcast, which is going to be uh, 
you talking about uh, tasting with copious winemakers. I'm looking forward to that. Oh, definitely. Lots of, lots of big fun times to be had. So I'll see you next time, everybody. And good, you, good, good. Yes. Thank you all for uh, tuning in and uh, we'll uh, see you on the next podcast. Thank you, Kara. Awesome. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Thank you.